0: Awesome. Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. And I want to welcome everybody here to our Bellingham campus. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us at our Ferndale campus. Those of you who are joining us online, we're glad that you're here as well. And I want to give a special welcome to a tiny little group of about 15 people who meet in a house in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, this is their church... And uh, and they just happen to join us every week. They meet on Tuesday nights in a living room. They gather around the computer. This is their teaching for the week. And I'm excited that they're here. So Bellingham, let's welcome Fargo. Ferndale, welcome Fargo. Awesome. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I want to thank everybody who was able to be here for Christmas Eve. Uh, We had an amazing time on Christmas Eve. We had record crowds, almost 5,300 people came to Christmas Eve, heard about Jesus, which was awesome, and uh, it was just a fantastic evening. I want to thank you for coming. If you came early, thanks for being patient, trying to get off the parking lot and on the parking lot. It was a little bit of a zoo around here, but I appreciate your patience, and uh, and, uh, God just did some incredible things. And here we are at the beginning of 2011. A time when we celebrate things that are new. I love things that are new. I'm kind of an OCD germaphobe. So anything that comes brand new out of a box that no other human being has ever touched before, I love that. i wonderful. I got some really cool new stuff at Christmas time. My wife gave me one of these that's new and fresh. For you, this means nothing. This is a labeler. I have labeled everything that I can find. I I even put a label on my wife on New Year's Eve. I mean, it's just, I love this stuff. It's great. It's new. Nobody else gets to use it. It's just mine. It's only got my fingerprints on it. I like it because it's new. Somebody gave me something else for Christmas. Um, This is new. This, (laughs) This is my new Snuggie which I made fun of for weeks at Christmas time, and someone decided that I needed one, so I got one, and I love it. I feel very c- clerical when I'm wearing this. God bless you, my children. <laughs> I also feel like seeing I don't know why, I feel like saying, the end is near. I don't know where that comes from. I just like stuff that's new and fresh. I like new things. I, I like fresh food. It tastes better than stuff that's in a box or in a carton. I like a fresh idea when somebody comes up with something. I like it when somebody gives me a fresh angle on scripture. Like when they say, hey, have you ever looked at the story from this angle before? I like fresh vegetables right out of the garden. I'm a farm kid. There's just something about them when you've grown them yourself and then you eat them. Just makes them fantastic. I like the feeling of freshly washed clothes. I just like it. It feels clean. It feels wonderful. I love a fresh cup of coffee. Multiple times a day. Uh, I like a fresh start after I failed. I just think everybody loves to get a hold of that. I work in an office. I like going outside a couple of times a day just to get a breath of fresh air. Because it just feels good. Kind of refreshes you. Gets you moving again. I love fresh inspiration. I like it when I'm sitting alone and all of a sudden God just gives me something new and fresh. And it's like that had to have been specifically from him. Because I was not smart enough to figure that out on my own. I love fresh bread. Mmm, yeah. I like the smell of it. I like the feel of it. I like the taste of it. I think all of us could agree together that there's something amazing about something that's new and fresh. I love the fact that the God we serve and worship at Christ the King is into new. He loves new. Don't believe me? Revelation 25 says this He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus is the one who's sitting on the throne in this verse, and he makes a declaration that all of us are in a spiritual process of having everything inside of us and everything outside of us made new. That means God's taking your old crusty heart and making it new. It means he's taking your old lousy attitude and making it new. He means he's taking your old relationships and making them new. He's going to take your old routine and make it new. He's taking your old perspective about God and making it brand new. And here's the question that comes when you hear that God is making everything new. Are you a willing participant in all of the new stuff that God's doing? Or are you stuck in the same old, stale way of spirituality that you have been doing for years and years and years and makes you stiff, stale, and boring? It's a question. You know, we kind of slip into that apathetic life and approach to life so easily, don't we? I mean, I just celebrated a birthday and a new year in the same week. I woke up on two mornings that are supposed to symbolize newness, a fresh start, a new way of approaching life. I woke up on both of those mornings. And do you know what I felt on both of those mornings? Nothing, nothing, no difference. I didn't feel any fresher. In fact, just the opposite. I didn't feel any younger. I actually felt older. I didn't feel younger, revitalized, nothing. I didn't feel any difference at all. So if I didn't feel any difference at all, according to Revelation 21, chapter 5, here's my question. Is God lying when he says he's making everything new? Just because it feels old, is it really? What role do I get to play this year in 2011 in making something new? And can I claim a promise of newness If I'm still doing the same old thing, week after week, month after month, year after year, waiting for something to change. If you're stuck like that, maybe it's time for something fresh. Maybe we need to try a new angle on this. So I listed in your outline something fresh for this coming year. For the people of Bellingham, those of you who are joining us at Ferndale, let's start about some very, very specific scriptural elements that God wants us to put fresh and new into our lives. Let's start with this one, fresh bread. If you're going to allow God to make something new happen in your spiritual life, you're going to need some new spiritual food this year. We need food to grow physically, and the same is true for our spiritual growth. We need fresh spiritual food or we're going to end up flabby and stale. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I actually wrecked my throat. I've still had issues with it for many, many years. But it got so bad that my doctor actually put me on two complete weeks of voice rest. I could not say a word for two entire weeks. For some of you, you'd go, that would be awesome. For the rest of us, it's like, are you kidding me? Not a word for two complete weeks while some drugs and medications that I was taking was trying to refurbish my vocal cords. I was not allowed to talk for two weeks, and yet in the middle of it, I still had to teach Sunday school. The reason I still had to teach Sunday school is because I couldn't call anybody else to fill in for me. You got that? Makes sense, Right? So I needed to teach something new and fresh to this group of high school students. We were studying the spiritual disciplines during that time. We were talking about the impact of the word of God deep inside of our soul. And I was trying to infect this group of high school kids with an appetite for the word of God, knowing that that's the one thing that would sustain them, answer their questions, and walk them through these very, very dark times that were in front of them. I prayed, God, help me help them understand what it means and the importance of having fresh bread without being able to say a word I got this crazy idea and I went and bought two items and I walked into the youth room where we met as a group I took out a whiteboard I wrote a question on the whiteboard I put a bible in the center of the table and I put this on one side and this on the other the question was this which do you think is better? This one's way more convenient, let's be honest. Pre sliced, ready to go, in a bag. You can carry it around, open it up, close it up. And I mean, it's got enough chemicals in it, you could leave it out for a month and a half and it's not going anywhere, right? Unbelievably convenient, but far inferior to this. This was baked fresh this morning. This smells better, it's more nutritious. It's got a crust on it. You can do all kinds of cool things with it. I mean, you want a bite right now, don't you? Ferndale 3D coming through the screen, right? This is so unbelievably superior. This one will clog your arteries and kill you if you eat enough of it. This will last you a lifetime. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We need the freshness of Jesus in our life every day. And the way we stay fresh in our relationship is by reading and understanding that God wrote the Bible. And you need a, if you need an understanding of what the Bible is, it's God's love letter to you. It's not an academic book. It's not even just a spiritual book. It's God's love letter to each and every individual in humanity. And I want to encourage you this year as we start 2011 to stay fresh in the word every single day. Start small. Let your appetite grow. Let your hunger increase. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series that has been born out of a lot of pain in my life. The series is called The Road Out. And we're going to watch. We're going to get a front row seat as God emancipates a group of slaves and leads them to freedom. And we're going to look at everything they got right and everything that they got wrong. I have no idea how many weeks it's going to be. We might be there for the next six months. It's that rich. And if you'd like some fresh bread to work ahead, we're going to be working in the book of Exodus of all places. And I'd love for you to take a head start. As part of the journey for this group of people in the book of Exodus, God does a miracle and he actually gives them fresh bread each and every day. Exodus 16 says this, When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost appeared on the ground on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is that? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord's commanded. Each one of you is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, okay? Fancy word for a large mason jar. Got it? Got a picture in your brain? That's what an omer is, okay? Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some a little. When they measured it by the omer, large mason jar, the one who gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one's to keep any part of it until morning, so don't store this stuff till tomorrow. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning, till the next day, and it was full of maggots. Ugh. Began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it just melted away. I want you to notice something in this obscure Old Testament text. Moses told the people, Don't keep any of it till tomorrow. God's going to give you fresh everything you're going to need for today, and that's it. It's fresh. Tomorrow there's going to be fresh stuff again, but you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to gather it. That's your part of it. And there's a principle in the Old Testament book of Exodus that's still true today. Here's the principle. You can't live on yesterday's bread. You can't live on yesterday's bread. Each and every day you need to get some fresh bread for yourself. The stuff that I can offer you, and I promise you, I will try to come with fresh bread every single weekend. I don't like canned, pre-processed. I don't try to preach other people's stuff. I'll try to bring you fresh bread each and every week. But here's the deal. What you get on Sunday will not last through Thursday. It's not going to make it. At some point, you're going to have to go out and gather some, or you're going to starve. I mean, think about this ridiculous picture. If I took all of you to the buffet on the corner on Sunday morning, And I said, okay, here's the deal. You've got 27 minutes to eat a week's worth of food. You don't get to eat another thing for the rest of the week. Ready, set, go. You'd think that was nuts, but we do it in church all the time. Amen? We get 27 minutes and we think that's gonna last us and then we don't touch the fresh bread of the word of God all week long and we wonder why we're starving by Thursday. As much as I'd love to eat for you, At some point, you've got to learn how to feed yourself. And I'm telling you, God's already provided what you need. It's the fresh bread of Scripture every single week. Let's keep going. Along with fresh bread, there's also a fresh focus. Our world is full of distractions. Even the good things of life clamor for our attention and tempt us to take our eyes off of the focal point of Christ. I love the fact that Mike is teaching us some new songs. Believe me, we needed some new songs at Christ the King Church. And I love the fact that many of the new songs that he's going to be rolling out for us this week, they all have the focus on the name, the glory, and the beauty of Jesus. Because that's where our focus is supposed to be. Hebrews tells us how we're supposed to have a fresh focus. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here it is fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith For the joy set before me endured the cross scorning its shame sat down at the right hand of the throne of god and consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart there's a ton in those verses we could spend months preaching those verses alone i just want you to underline two phrases Throw off everything that hinders us. Underline that and then underline these words. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The Bible's clear. If there's anything in your life that's hindering your spiritual race, it's got to go. And it's got to go today. You know why? Because there's a principle here from Scripture and the principle is this. You can't run free when you're still chained to your sin. Doesn't work doesn't work you can't run free when you're chained to your sin that means that old habit that you can't seem to break loose of that old attitude that old besetting sin that seems to trip you up over and over and over again this is the year when it's got to go that's why we're going to preach exodus because it's a story of liberation emancipation freedom this is the year when some of the stuff that's been following you around for decades I promise you, if we will do what the Word of God says, it will break loose. How do you get rid of that old stuff? The Bible makes it pretty clear. You fix your eyes on Jesus and you run. You run away from the sin and to Jesus, your Savior. You run away from those predictable places where you know you're going to fall and you run to the safety of your protector. Bible says we've got to throw off some stuff and we've got to run towards Jesus, our fresh focus for 2011. Well, if you're going to take some stuff off, probably be wise if you put some stuff back on again or you're going to be really embarrassed, right? We don't want any of that emperor's new clothes kind of thing going on here, all right? So what should we put on? The Bible actually talks about fresh clothes, okay? Colossians says this, that there's a new wardrobe waiting for each one of us and we're supposed to put it on right here in the first week of 2011. Colossians says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, that would be us, all right, that would be us, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The Bible says get some clothes on, okay? You don't want to embarrass yourself, so get some clothes on. And this is what you're supposed to wear. This is your new wardrobe for 2011. And I'm going to tell you something about these clothes. This wardrobe is not always in style, but it definitely makes a fashion statement in a very dark and gray world. It will make you stand out if you have the courage to wear it and put it on. What are we putting on? starts with compassion. Compassion. Seeing somebody who needs a hand up, not a hand out, and touching them in Jesus' name. Exhibiting the same compassion that Jesus gave you and poured it out onto somebody else. You didn't deserve it. They probably don't deserve it either. That's what makes compassion so beautiful. Christ the King, you got an amazing head start on this one through the Christ the King blessing. I still cannot believe this year. I mean, economy, tight stuff, all the rest of it going on all around. This year again, you set a record for giving. You gave us more than $85,000 to give away to people who don't need a handout, they need a hand up. I mean, think about... How your life would be different if you could just look on the people around you with compassion. What if you sponsored a child? What if you replaced your coffee budget and changed a kid's life on the other side of the world? What if you decided to feed the poor? What if every week you brought with you to church a little bag of canned food, stuck it in that box out there, knowing we would give it away in Jesus' name every single time the food bank was open? Just as a note, um, The lines at the food bank are ridiculously long. Last week, over 500 people lined up to get food for them and their families, and we almost ran out. So CTK, I'm ringing the bell. We need some food to feed people in Whatcom County because we believe it's a sin that a church of this size can exist in this county and children could go to bed hungry. So Ferndale calling you out, Bellingham, I'm calling you out. We need to fill that box over and over and over and over and over again this weekend where some people are going to show up and the doors are not going to be open. It's as simple as that, okay? Why would you do that? Compassion. Because someday you may need it. And you have an opportunity to be a blessing now. Secondly, we're supposed to put on Kindness. I'd love to challenge all of us to accomplish one act of unsolicited kindness every day. It doesn't need to be a big thing. Hold the door open for somebody. Give something away that you don't need anymore to somebody who does need it. Meet a need. Do something in secret that nobody else needs to know about so you don't get any glory for yourself. Let somebody cut in front of you in line at Costco. Say, here you go. You know, not just because they got fewer items, but because, because. you know. Here's a new one that I think would revolutionize Christ the King and Whatcom County. Give somebody a compliment. Say thank you. Parents, when you go to pick up your children here in Inferndale, say thanks to the people with the funky looking bibs on because they looked after your kids for an hour. Grab a greeter sometime on the way out and say thanks for smiling at people and welcoming on the way in. It matters. Find out somebody in our church who's an intercessor and thank them for doing war for our church on their knees in their prayer closet when nobody else notices. Give a compliment and say thanks. It's biblical. Thirdly, humility. I mean, this wardrobe demands knee pads. I think that's amazing. We're called to clothe ourselves with humility and consider others better than ourselves. Robert Radke is one of my favorite pastors in Canada. He has a line when it comes to humility that I love. As the followers of God, our goal is to never be higher than his feet. Never higher than his feet. The Bible says, Micah chapter 6, he's shown you, O people of Christ the King, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Fourthly, we're to put on gentleness. Now that's not telling you to be weak. Okay, guys, you don't need to struggle with this one. It doesn't have anything to do with being weak. It's calling us to ditch a lifestyle and an attitude that says I'm gonna blow through life and not give a rip about the body count that I leave behind me. This instruction means that in moments when anger and toughness seem like the status quo, that instead we're supposed to be gentle with our words and with our actions. The Bible says a soft answer turns away anger. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Here's the next one. It's patience. This instruction means that we're supposed to be patient with God's work and God's timing. Most of us have this approach to patience. I want patience now. It doesn't work. Forgiveness. That's a tough one, isn't it? Here's the good news about forgiveness. You only ever need to forgive the people who've hurt you to the same level that it took for Jesus to forgive you. ouch right because that was a lot and finally love love's the coat that goes over all of this new wardrobe the bible says the world will know us by our love not by our sign not by our reputation not by the fact that we're a really big church who cares the bible says that they will know us by our love for Jesus and for each other that's the coat What's the principle here? I think it's pretty simple. The principle is this. We're called to dress from the inside out as followers of the Most High God. We dress on the inside and it works its way to the outside. Okay, let's add one more. Talked about fresh bread, a fresh focus, fresh clothes. For many of us, that sounds really, really nice. This last one is where it gets tough because the reality is our failures make it hard for us to get there. What we really want more than anything this year at the beginning of 2011 is a fresh start. I mean, the hardest thing about starting fresh is actually starting, is it not? I mean, we find and make excuses to these big gaps inside of our souls. We know our life would be so much better if we could just build something new, but it just seems like too much work. You know, we know we've got to start small, but it just seems so insignificant. We always seem to get caught up in the same stuff. Here's the amazing part or an amazing part of God's character that inspires me. The Bible says God loves it when God's people start small. It's not about this colossal dream, this massive plan. It's about starting small. He knows that we as human beings make big promises and we struggle to follow through. So can I just tell you exactly what God is looking for for 2011 from each one of us? He's looking for one step. He's looking for one decision. He's looking for one prayer, one little insignificant act of kindness. He's looking for one genuine prayer of repentance. Just start with one. Because if you start with one and you add one more behind it and one more behind that, if you do that long enough, you know what that is? It's called a lifetime called a lifetime. It's the principle of accruing as we gather things small, insignificant, over and over and over again. This is really the essence of the Christian life. It's doing the right things for the right reason over a really, really, really long period of time. I know that doesn't seem theologically deep. I'll tell you what, when you get a handle on that one, then we'll talk about the rest of theology, right? The Bible tells a story of a man who was instructed to build a temple huge temple, a massive structure, a colossal undertaking that was going to take years. The guy's name is Zerubbabel, okay? Some of you are young parents, you're getting ready to have children, and you think it's really cool to name your child a biblical name. Do not name your son Zerubbabel. He will pay for it for the rest of his life, okay? You can't even make it short and make it cute. You know, they're going to call him bull, and that wouldn't be good at all, okay? All right? Zerubbabel gets told, You're going to build this monstrosity of a temple. And in the middle of his story, in the book of Zechariah, which I know is not really popular reading these days, the Bible says this of Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 4 Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth, don't get hung up on that. The seven eyes of the Lord is pretty simple. Seven is the number of completion. It just means God can see everything all of the time. Since God can see everything, his eyes will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Okay? In, in another particular uh, another translation of the same scripture, it says, People and God will rejoice when they see. Zerubbabel walking out with a plumb line in his hand. It's a fancy word for a little gizmo that construction guys use to make sure that everything is square and plumb. I would put it this way. People are going to get really, really excited when they see Zerubbabel going out there with a tape measure in his hand because that's what it's going to take to start the temple. Before you start to build a temple, you've got to get your measuring tape out. Before you build a home, you have to draw up some plans. Before you do something big, you've got to start with something small. The key is in starting. Before you can read the Bible, you've got to pick it up and open it. Start small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. God doesn't. God doesn't. Take a small step. Serve, and then keep on serving. Share, and then keep on sharing. Give and then keep on giving. Pastor Mark did a masterful job last week sharing with us about what it looks like when the invisible God becomes visible and he becomes visible with us and how we serve. We have hundreds of opportunities this entire year for us to serve and give. And if you serve once and then serve again and then serve again and then serve again, before you know it, you've got a lifetime of serving God and that will change everything. I had somebody ask the other day. So I got saved on Christmas Eve. I'm getting ready to be baptized at the end of January. What else should I be doing right now? I think I melted their brain when I gave them a three-word answer because I think they were expecting something way different, but this is the best I could give them. Keep showing up. When you don't feel like coming to church because you're discouraged or you're ashamed keep showing up. When you don't want to go back to your small group again because your world just seems a little too busy, keep showing up. When your prayer closet looks like it should be abandoned because it's got cobwebs all over it, go back in and keep showing up. When it doesn't feel like the Word's talking to you anymore, you show up with it open and keep showing up. I know it's not theologically deep, but it's biblical. Because if you do the right things for the right reasons over a very, very, very long time, you end up with something called unspeakable joy. What's the principle there? In order to start fresh, you have to start, right? You have to start. I've talked a lot, and now it's your turn. We're going to start doing some things very different at Christ the King. It's about time we started doing some things new, some things fresh. I'm a little bored with our formula, and so we're going to start moving things around. One of these days, you're going to show up six minutes late because you don't want to listen to the music. And I'm going to be seven minutes into my message, and you're going to be going, well, in the world's going on. We reserved the right this year for two things, Jesus and chaos. Get ready, all right? because it's time for some creativity. It's time for a breath of fresh air. It's time for us to get out of our routine and out of our rut and we're going to do something different. So we're going to do something different today that's not going to seem that different but hopefully will be deeply meaningful. Pastor Mike is going to come. He's going to grab his guitar and we are going to respond to God in worship. This is not the offering. This is not the end. Don't grab your wallet. Don't do any of that. I'll talk about that in a second. This is a moment when God's people are going to respond back to him about his promise in Revelation 21. He said he was making everything new. My question is this Are you hungry for it? Do you need it? Will you die without it? Are you terrified to go one more day without something new and fresh? So we're going to sing We Are Hungry. It's an old song. And I'm going to challenge you to do something. A little girl a couple of weeks ago came up. She was standing beside me during worship. I love kids because they just ask good questions. She goes, why do you do this? I'll tell you why. When I was a little kid and I got hurt, I would run to my dad, and I would go, take it. He never pushed me away. He never told me to man up. He reached down and he grabbed me. And he held me until the pain went away. That's all this is. I'm not trying to blackmail you or embarrass you, but the truth is this. Some of you have been doing this for way 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 too long and you wonder why your worship's dead maybe it's just this
1: <laughs> right
0: maybe some of you know hand people and by the way the bible tells you you're supposed to I mean, obedience is up to you, right? Some of you no-hand people, you may just want to try this. Some of you one-hand people, you may want to go roller coaster. It's okay, we're not going to think you're weird. (laughs) Some of you that always stand, maybe you need to take a posture of humility. Nobody's going to mind. You want to slip out in the aisle and kneel? Man, who am I going to argue with you if the child of God wants to get that close on their knees before God, their maker? Maybe some of you that sing loud need to sing louder. Maybe some of you that sing loud need to not sing at all. Maybe some of you need to pray. Maybe some of you who are terrified to even open your mouth need to take God at His word when He says that you're supposed to make a joyful noise. It doesn't say anything about music at all. Just a noise. <laughs> Whatever. But we're going to sing a prayer. And then I'm going to come up and pray. And then we're going to be done. Let's stand together and worship in response to a fresh new start.
1: Of life, come and fill me up. See that again, Lord. Stretch your hands to God. We're singing, we live. Our voice is higher and higher and higher to you.
0: Jesus, would you do something new and fresh? Would you breathe life into our stale souls? Would you give us forgiveness for the past and hope for the future? We're so desperately hungry for a new start. So God, would you meet us here as children? Give us hope and joy. Thanks for a new wardrobe. I pray that we'd have the courage to wear it. Thank you for fresh bread. I pray we'd have the courage to gather and eat it. Thank you for a fresh focus. Jesus first and Jesus only. For a fresh new start in you. and Jesus' precious holy name we pray and the revitalized people of
1: God agreed together and said Amen